Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? Have you or any member of your family seen a spook, specter, or ghost? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Ghostbusters. I'm Michael Egon Gaines. And I'm Bryce Bankman Irwin. We're We're ready ready to to believe believe you. you. That's pathetic. Worst intro ever. But that's okay, because you can find show info, enlightening and entertaining articles, and the Geekistry forums at www.geekistry.com. Send us feedback to feedback at geekistry.com. Leave us a voice message and be on the show. Hey, and go up to the Geekistry site, too. There's a lot of great articles up there. Uh, Most of them have nothing to do with the show at all or are expansions (laughs) of stuff we have already talked about on the show or their previews, prequels, if you will, of things we're going to talk on the show later, even if we don't know we're going to talk about it on the show when we write it. It's it's an incredible, (laughs) incredible site. You need to go up there right now and just inundate yourself with the literary (laughs) genius of Starman and Aloysius. In the news. In the news. Okay, so let's talk about this new Superman outfit. Okay, so we've talked about this before, and that was when it first broke, and we saw a shadowy picture with Superman and a cape, and it was difficult to make out the details. But now... Now, it, I, I, I'm just, like, really not digging this thing. So so what we've got is a full, full-color shots of Superman, Henry Cavill, in the Superman outfit, out shooting scenes uh, from the movie. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we, we have to be fair. We don't know what part of the movie this is from. We don't really know what's going on. It's possible that his cape is digital. We don't even know. Yes. You know, that that is a possibility. Or um, he could have lost it. You never or... know. But the thing is, it's He's depressing. He's blue. It is depressing. This isn't Superman. This is, this, you know, they say, this isn't your father, Superman. Yeah, you know what? And my dad would probably, like, kick DC's ass if he saw this. Okay, so I haven't shown it to him yet. For people in the audio world that have no idea what we're talking about, obviously we'll link this so people can see it, but it's dark. It's a full blue bodysuit with sort of deep brick red boots. There's no um, bikini briefs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not red. I mean, there's something there, but it's not red. It's not that usual Superman red. I just see stuffed pants, crotch, and a (laughs) bunch of like weird ribbing all through the suit. It's And it's dark navy blue, and everything else is like dark brick red. And and, like yellow that is so not yellow. It's like dirty tan or gray. And I'm thinking, what? Dude, we knew it was going to go this way, and I hate to be such a complainer, but my lord. (laughs) Uh, You know, I never really thought that I would be talking about somebody else's briefs. (laughs) 
or lack thereof. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not digging this suit. I don't know. I mean, again, we we don't know until the the movie may be awesome. Yeah. Well, you know what? Let's let's put it this way: if they had a, a really great story and a really great set of actors and mm. everything, and everything else was just true, and this was the suit we got. At the end of the day, uh, is that going to like break the movie for me? Nah, probably nah. not. Nah. From a costuming point of view, you, you got to break up the colors. You have to. Well, okay, I mean, so here's something I found out though that you'll find interesting, and I'm wondering yeah. if it has something to do with what they're doing here. The You'll notice that we're going to talk about this actually in a little while. In the new DC comics that have just launched, Superman shows up, and he, his uh, uniform actually looks very similar to what we see here. Yeah. It's very close. Yes. The reason that it's all blue now is because mm-hmm. there is some kind of copyright or trademark on the red briefs. Yes, if you can it, believe I, that. I know I do believe that, but what I don't understand is how does I, I tried to do some research on this, but I couldn't find a definitive answer. How does DC not own their own stuff? Well, because maybe I wasn't it um, Jerry was was his name uh, Jerry Siegel. Is that the creator? Siegel and Schuster, yeah. Uh, Siegel and Schuster, right. So maybe they're estates. Maybe they own the original character design, mm-hmm. and for some reason they took it away from DC. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, then how could they How could they take away that and not the entire look? I don't know. It's uh, strange. It, maybe they wanted his briefs. <laughs> it's really bizarre. You'd figure that, that, if anything, they would want to own the S because the S is the icon. Sure. Right? Well, that's... <laughs> Just goes to show you what their priorities are. You know, well, you know what? You keep the S. We're taking the briefs. Yeah, <laughs> not even gonna go there. I don't know. Hey, uh, I, I miss uh, Christopher Reeve in the tight sky blue um, and red outfit. And, yes. and, you know, you can say what you want about it and about me for saying that I like that outfit on another man, but I do. <laughs> There's some Superman love going on. Just That's saying. right. on Blu-ray. It's coming eventually. Sometime, perhaps maybe next year or something like that. Spielberg was heard speaking at a seminar about E.T., and he Mm -hmm. has admitted now that he made a horrible mistake by making the special edition E.T. with the CGI E.T. and the horrible, horrible, horrible George Lucas-inspired let's replace the shotguns that the feds used in the movie with walkie-talkies and handheld yes. radios. It was yes. like, you know, in the original movie, it's this, like, the Elliot and his buddies on the bikes with E.T. in the basket are coming up to this roadblock, and you see this snap cut and three parts that go into the feds holding shotguns, and they're, like, tapping the shotguns on their hand. And it's like, you know, real peril. These kids are going to get shot. They got an mm-hmm. alien. These, these people aren't screwing around. And then he replaces it with the walkie-talkies, and it's like, stop, or I'll, I'll tell you to stop again. just stupid and Spielberg said that he was coerced into doing that he didn't really believe in it but he he did it to pacify some of these like parents television council kind of it it was the parent group I don't know if I don't know if I would use the word coerced but he was yeah he definitely felt pressure of some kind saying you know what I really need to change this because it's destroying the movie because these parent groups said so and you know anybody who knows me knows how I feel about parent groups they just drive me crazy because they just they, they always seem to to think that you know they're the moral majority and to make Spielberg change his movie 
I just think is wrong. And so now we're getting the original cutback. The 1982 cut, the one we saw in the theaters, which is awesome. You know what? I'm wondering, um, that's the version that had uh, the brother, and I'm sorry, I can't remember the the name of the brother's character. Uh, He was saying on Halloween, oh, mom, why can't I go as a terrorist? And he took that line out of the movie. Spielberg took that line out of the movie in the 2002 cut. And so now we're getting that back, I hope. I, mean, well, that, that I would care. I I would care a lot less that that's gone than yeah. all the nonsense that he had, including the CGI ET. Which honestly, I don't need that. No, um, but I gotta say the the, uh, the changes to the end of the movie are about as as bad as Han not shooting first and all that. Yep. I mean, it changes the tone of the movie drastically because it's like, well, oh, so what? There's a roadblock. We'll just keep going. Yeah, exactly. Who cares? Well, hey, you know what? I see this as a good sign after last episode where I was totally in rant mode and very angry at Lucas for his his consistent changes and fiddling with the Star Wars universe. I'm glad to see that one great director has finally come to his senses. And (laughs) at the very least, we know that he's probably not going to go in and we're going to get like Raiders of the Lost Ark special edition, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, and he did say Raiders is coming to Blu-ray with no changes. That'd be great. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. There's an article in, uh, this guy's name is Brent Danley, and he wrote an article saying that we need to get rid of time zones, but it's harder than it looks. <laughs> There's a lot uh, of people he, that want this, though. I know. He says he opens up his article by saying time zones are unnecessary. I've heard people argue for and against time zones forever. And the thing is, is who wants to wake up? If everybody's going to wake up at the same time, who's going to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning? Because you know, if you're running a business, then like the East Coast wakes up at 8 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, but that, that's not that's not how it would work, and that's I think after. So I I read through this, and then I read numerous other connected movements and articles that are trying to get this to happen, mm-hmm. and and I think to me it's one of those lack of common sense things. Like you guys are you know you're getting all in depth and intellectual about something that common sense should tell you there's a reason they did it in the first place, and the reason they did it is because. People over in India are asleep when people over here are in the middle of their work day. Yeah. And it, it doesn't work if, you know, if everybody else is supposed to be working at the same time. I yeah. mean, I do this. I, I um, contract out with people across the country and sometimes in other places uh, across the world. And, you know, I've, I I have to deal with the time zone change. And it, it, just because it's 9 o'clock here doesn't mean it's 9 o'clock somewhere else. And if I call over to California at 9 o'clock, it's going to be 7 a.m. I understand what they want to do, and I understand why they think it would make it easier, like the military uses the universal time code. Well, this is the military, to coordinate attacks, for goodness sake. (laughs) What they want to do is they want to have everybody wake up, what, at the same time? No, I think they want – they just want the world on the same time and for you to figure it out. 
Oh, oh, I see. So like my 4 a.m. could be somebody else's 7 a.m. Right. The see, problem so that he I says, have with he actually that. He says in the article, he says, I call our customers all over the planet as part of my real job. It is important that I'm sensitive to their local time so I don't wake them from their sleep or disturb their evening meal. Eliminating time zones wouldn't solve this problem, but it would allow my customer to say something like, call me tomorrow at 10 o'clock, and I know exactly when to call them. So, I, yeah. yeah I, I, sure. so, oh, so, I, so it's going to be the same time all around the globe, no matter what. So 10 o'clock here is going to be 10 o'clock in India, in Japan, in China, in Correct. Seattle. Yep. The only problem that I see with that is that when you travel, it completely screws you up. Because when you wake up in the morning, no matter where you are in the country or in the world, the sun rises roughly the same time. But they're trying to say that intelligent people are smart enough to figure out when to go to bed on their own. And while I, you know, I agree with that, I don't, I don't need a clock to tell me when it's when I'm tired and when I'm waking up. But I, I just feel like they're missing the point of why it's there in the first place, which is to people need they need to um, be able to coordinate their workplace activities and set hours for businesses and things like that. Yeah. And it's just it's confusing as all hell for people who are th their whole point here is that it would make it easier for people around the world to do business. And as a person who does business in different time zones. I actually don't agree with that at all. Yeah, I don't agree with it either. I don't think it's a better system, and I don't think it's a worse system. It just doesn't fix any of the problems that I think they think it fixes. No. So right now, although you might be con confused and it might be a little difficult sometimes to calculate the correct time zone depending mm -hmm. on where you're calling to or doing business with, if you set everything at the same time, you still have the same difficulties of now you have to coordinate with the people is is 10 o'clock in your neck of the woods okay for me to call and do this business at? Yeah, yeah. And then so you just have to worry about a completely different data set. You yeah. have to chart like, oh, that's right. I can't call at 10 o'clock in the morning over in Mumbai because Salazar isn't awake yet. I think that the, the only obvious solution to this problem, and I'm really surprised that nobody's figured this out yet, is to just stop the world from rotating. If you stop the world from rotating, then we don't have this problem anymore. Then everybody could just let you can live wherever you want. Problem solved. I actually had an argument <laughs> that it turned out to be a serious argument with someone a couple of years ago that stopping the world ro rotating wouldn't actually do anything. No, it won't. But no, they said there would be no harmful effects. Oh, there would be. There would be a ton of them. Oh, no, there wouldn't. That's just crazy talk. Why would that? <laughs> Why would the world not turning ever, ever be a problem? <laughs> But I don't think we're going to get rid of time zones anytime soon. No, and I don't, again, I don't understand what the problem is that they're trying to fix. They, they want to solve one problem by creating another problem. Yeah, exactly. So, so what you know, and it's not even that big of a problem. You just you need a chart in front of you, and you know, do some simple math. It's <laughs> called subtraction or addition, and you figured it out. It's amazing. Wow. It's just funny that he says that intelligent people would be able to figure it out. Well, intelligent people have been figuring it out for years anyway. You know what? Why don't we just edit the whole damn thing just to just say that and then we're done. Intelligent people have already figured it out, my friend. <laughs> you know what? This article seemed a little more interesting when I first put it up here a couple of days ago. And now I'm just like, this guy's an idiot. You know what? Yeah, no, that's exactly the point of this whole movement. It's just like at first glance, you're like, my, that's an intelligent and it's really a great idea. And you're like, by the time you've read it through twice, you're like, I'm so smart. <laughs> and I love the time zone.
There is a new copy protection scheme on uh, a small number of Blu-rays and I think maybe one or two DVDs. It's called Synavia. It's it's quite interesting in how it works. Ask your doctor about Synavia. <laughs> possible side, possible that's, side that's exactly include tinnipedia, <laughs> anal itching, rectal scratching, bleeding out of orifices, depression, happiness, sadness, good times, bad times, attraction to women, attraction to small furry animals. Dancing Don't take Synavia with other drugs. Don't mix Synavia with alcohol, Pop-Tarts, candy bars. <laughs> Are you coming up with this off the top of your head as you have a list? Up, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Just to say on a side note, it's really funny that you watch these commercials for these 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 medications were supposed to be awesome and the the side effects are probably even worse than the crap that you're dealing with <laughs> right <laughs> it's like have an occasional runny nose synavia might be for you <laughs> synavia helps your nose stop running better than any kleenex ever could ask your doctor before taking synavia side effects may include rectal bleeding heart attacks death <laughs> death <laughs> I love that, like, death has been recorded in several cases. Oh, really? Well, then. In an independent study with lab rats, lab rats developed depression and suicidal tendencies after two pills. Anyway. Synavia. We're talking about Synavia. Synavia. We're talking the about Synavia. The amazing copy protection pill for you and your family. Take it before you copy a film. <laughs> so it's this copy protection scheme, which is very ingenious. Inside the audio track... There is an inaudible code, and this code plays throughout the film. And so as the movie plays, if you have a, a, a player, a Blu-ray player or a DVD player that has this Synavia system enabled, it, it checks to see if that same code is being broadcast through the audio stream on this film. And if not, it knows that it's pirated. And so... It, it actually stopped. There, there are screenshots of it happening on the PS3 because the, the PS3 actually now has this uh, embedded in it. The screen comes up and it says, Synavia has discovered that this is not an actual film. Uh, if you rip a Blu-ray and turn it into an, an MP4 or an MKV, and, and these are containers of uh, video formats, if that Synavia file is not present in that MKV file, Essentially, what's going to happen is your player is just going to say, no, I, don't know, I, I can't play this. I'm not allowed to. Yeah, but from what I understand, though, the Synavia file is embedded into the audio at a frequency above the range of human hearing. So it's going to be in there. That's what they said. It, it'll go through multiple copies. It, it, mm -hmm. it won't be removed regardless of what you do because it's embedded in the audio. Two things come to mind with that. Though. One is, if the, it, has anyone done any testing on this to see how it affects animals? Number one. <laughs> okay, no, number two. <laughs> <laughs> and and far more intriguing to me is that this is the greatest John Carpenter horror movie that hasn't been made yet. <laughs> oh, because the right. Synavia audio is like the um, this is like scanners of the 21st it century. Totally is because that as soon as I read that I flipped out. I'm like, wait, there's audio that we can't. Yeah, sure there is. It's saying kill, <laughs> kill, <laughs> slaughter, kill, kill them, family. kill them. Kill them all. <laughs> Listen, if, if anybody's out there that knows John Carpenter, we'll work with John in creating a movie for this. We'll, we'll create the script. Now, we're not saying it'll be completely serious, but we'll create something. It's a bunch of demon-worshipping 
elite businessmen at Sony, and they're like, "Ah, but ah, but ah, Lord Satan, we will embed Synavia into the DVDs of the nation and the Blu-rays, and when they go and buy their drastically changed George Lucas pieces of pile of Poodoo's discs." They will encounter the Synavia messages that will embed them with the Manchurian candidate to go out and kill everyone on a certain date, meaning December 21st, 2012, and our apocalyptic vision will be complete. I've got a better idea. It's, an, it's a scheme concocted by the studios to turn all the pirates into zombies. <laughs> Geez, Bobby, can I get a copy of George Lucas's yeah. brand new every yeah. man? Yes, yeah, I have here. I have a copy right here. Okay, here, let's just pull it up and put it into the DVD okay. player. Okay, okay, here we go. Okay. Kill everyone. I'm having a, a rash. Billy. Billy. Billy, I have a rash right here. Kill let me show you. Oh, Billy, no. Billy. And, and then somewhere in the corporate headquarters of 20th Century Fox, there's a little message that pops up. <laughs> Two more pirates. <laughs> Bomb. Bing. Welcome to Synavia. <laughs> See, the well, thing about this kind of stuff is, this is more fun. This this is more fun just to screw around with than it is to talk about seriously. Because if they're going to do this nonsense, there's nothing we can do about it. They've been trying to find some effective way to, you know, stop people from copying stuff forever. I, yes. I don't even know how I feel about this. Part of me, it's like last last show's episode about pirating in general. I, I mean. Part of me feels like, yeah, you know, they should do that, and good, good on them. And if they, you know, if they can make it work, I guess I'd, I'd maybe mm-hmm. come up with something like that myself if, if I had intellectual property. And the other part of me is like, well, this is stupid. I bought the thing; it's mine. You well, know? Eh, whatever. Here's my deal about it. People that know me know that I don't pirate. I said that before, but what I do is I rip trailers so that when. Um, when we play them at home, like just before a movie, I'll, I'll string three trailers together like we're in the movie theater. And if this prevents me from doing that, then I'm not going to be happy about it. What it's going to prevent you from doing is even living through the movie because as soon as you spool them up, it's kill them all, Mike. <laughs> kill them. <laughs> Thank you for watching Snavial. <laughs> <laughs> So DC Comics is in the middle right now of relaunching 52 all-new number ones mm-hmm. uh, that we talked about, I think, on show two. What would it have been? 60? 60, 60. Show 60. And uh, I've been reading not all but most of them. And mm-hmm. we're into the second or the end of the second week. We're in the middle of the third week of releases right now. So I, I've gotten a, a good handful of the... The uh, the first two weeks releases, including Justice League, Action Comics, Batgirl, Detective Comics, Swamp Thing, uh, Batman and Robin, and Green Lantern, uh, among mm-hmm. others. And so I've been reading them. Uh, we've said before I'm I'm not a huge DC fan. I th- I think Mike, you're you were much more a DC fan than I am. Yes. Um, 
I so here's I'm just giving you a, just a, a cursory review. I'm not going to go comic by comic because it's not not what we're doing here. But I got to tell you. So, you know, I, like I've said before, I'm a big comics guy, and I've not been such a big DC fan, but this is not making me a bigger DC fan. If this is the best they can do, you know, they've relaunched everything into a number one, then mm-hmm. I I am not very impressed. I, I will probably stick with it for the first maybe five to six issues of some of the ones that I like to see if mm-hmm. they're going to, you know carry and do a decent storyline a few are okay i enjoyed detective comics which is a batman comic it's pretty gritty it's pretty good mm-hmm. action comics was interesting but they've changed superman to a huge extent mm-hmm. uh so he's just not quite the same and, and and you know the thing that strikes me the most about these they've restarted them all at number one i'm assuming they did this so that they could like flush out the continuity kind of start over in a nice spot and get people, you know, who are coming into it because they've seen like the Green Lantern movie and the Batman movies and they're looking forward to the Superman movie. And they can get these fans and these young people or these people that have never really gotten into DC because it's too daunting in to Mm -hmm. look at these books. And instead of just restarting everything, which I know why they said they didn't want to do because they don't want to retell the origins of all these guys all over again. But instead of doing that, they've jumped them into some weird... (sighs) midway point in their careers with all a lot of the villains and, and settings and things already established, but the world is different than it ever was before. It's mm-hmm. weird. It, it, they, they didn't actually restart it, which is really frustrating to me. Um, I actually would have preferred that they just reboot everything. And I thought that's what they were going to do. I thought, you know, Superman number one, for example, Action Comics number one would be you know, set on Krypton, and we'd get a you know slight retcon of that whole that whole storyline again, and that's okay for me as long as they yeah. do it inventively. I'm okay with that, and I thought that's what they were going to do. That would make it far more compelling for me, but they didn't do that with any of these, and that really frustrated me. Okay, let me ask you something because I, I haven't read them yet. I, I have them, but I just haven't gotten around to reading them yet. I read there are two controversies. One, the biggest one, was the whole problem with barbara gordon is that she became paralyzed a few years ago by the joker and she became what, what oracle oracle yep oracle yeah she became oracle now all of a sudden she's not in a wheelchair anymore she's batgirl all over again and this caused a lot of stir in in uh, in the community of people that are handicapped because they look to this comic book character as somebody who can still make a difference without having the mobility that Batgirl used to. And I, I, I'm going to have to agree with that. I'm, I, I don't know what, I mean, maybe, maybe she'll get, I don't know, maybe she'll get like paralyzed again or something like that. But you know, you can't do that. You, you can't create a character and say, okay, you know what? We screwed up. So we're going to paralyze her someday. You can't do that because then you know what's coming. The, the whole point of doing it is that you, you you need that that value of of being close to a character, relating to a character, and have something drastic happen to them. But if you know it's coming, it's it's like reading the end of a book. Yeah, maybe, maybe unless they do it in a really elegant way. I I don't know. I'm I don't know that I have an opinion on that. I I like the character of Oracle. I like the character of Batgirl. So I mm-hmm. you know, and I'm. I don't mean this in any way at all, but I am not a handicapped person. And so the particular thing that you just raised there about what Oracle may have meant to someone who is handicapped just doesn't 
you know, resound in me as strongly as it would for a person who was in a wheelchair. And I can totally understand that and respect mm-hmm. that. Um, so I, I don't know that I really have an opinion. I think the character's strong either way. I think my my bigger concern with it is that there was a more I think there would have there was a more epic way they could have approached this. And you know, as I as I look at the list of fifty twos here too, I think the reason that they launched so many of these is because it's a financial thing too. They got to sell these books. Yeah. The more books they sell, the more money they're going to make. But in a, a perfect idealistic world, I, I think I would have almost preferred that they only like they start with say Superman, mm-hmm. and they go they go with maybe Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Aquaman, and and maybe the Flash, and that's all they do. And they develop those books, and they bring other characters like Batgirl and Nightwing and things like that into these books as as they go. And mm-hmm. then they do the Justice League, and they develop, and they make like an epic, awesome storyline that, that evolves over time that you want every single book because it's awesome, and it's interconnected. You know, they rebuild it from the ground up, but I don't right. know what they're doing here. Like, it's really confusing to me, too. Like, Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin, Robin is not... Um, Dick Grayson, because there's already a Nightwing comic. Nightwing is Dick Grayson. Right. Right? That was the original Robin. Robin and Batman and Robin is Tim Drake. And I'm like, well, but we missed a whole story there then. For people who are just starting it, you missed years and years of continuity building up these characters. What are, what are you going to do? Just And I haven't read Nightwing because it's not out yet. Mm-hmm. But it, when Nightwing comes out, I'm like... Well, wait a minute, what are we going to do? You know, like he's just he's just Nightwing and you're going to get some backstory of like, yeah, I palled around with Batman back in the day. That's lame. Mm. That's really lame for me. And so I've well, been I've been let down by this. Not to mention the fact to be completely honest with you, the quality of the writing style. And I'll give an exception to Detective Comics, which I felt was a little bit more up to, up to snuff, but like Justice League, for example. Mm. Dude, Justice League, I I ripped through that thing so quick. I it was a 4-minute read. It's horrible, um, horrible, and that was their tentpole comic. These are are these reboots? Because I keep hearing the word reboot, but they're not reboots, and they're continuous, but they're not continuous, and they're a jump ahead, but they're not a jump. I I don't know exactly what these things are, but the biggest problem is that they couldn't explain what happened to Barbara Gordon. Why is she up and, and about again? Is this an alternate universe, a, a whole different timeline? No, I think um, that they're they're considering this a reboot. There's the the, the event the. Um... Uh, flashpoint event the flash changed the universe and it's not important how but so it's the universe is yeah it's basically another universe so they could go back on this if this fails they could have another event where it snaps back it could be like marvel's um heroes reborn thing back in the late 90s if you remember that yep um after the onslaught event uh when then they undid that so you know i'm sure they could do that i just think I was just hoping for a lot more here. I was hoping to be convinced to to start reading some of the DC books. And yeah. this is not helping me. Want to live forever. Geekiversary, uh, we're going to bring these up the last time, didn't get around to it, ran out of time, so I'm bringing them up, even though they're a little late. Briefly, I just wanted to mention Highlander. Uh, this came out actually in the United States, I believe it was March of 1986, and the reason why this came, 
to my attention recently is because the UK release was on August 29th, 1986. That's a long time ago. I can't believe it was so long ago. It was 25 years ago. Anyway, I, I heard of this movie when who, it first came out. Who wants to live forever, though, Mike? Who really? wants to live forever? I, uh, I heard of this movie when it first came out. I think it, I have to blame the marketing division. What was it, Lionsgate at the time? Yes. For doing a piss-poor job of making me want to see this movie because it just looked ridiculous. Uh, it wasn't until I was in college, probably about a year later when it was on videotape, that a bunch of us, like my D&D group, sat down and said, oh, we're going to watch this movie called Highlander. And I went, oh, I don't know anything about this. I was floored by it. And it's not a very high-budget film, it's, but it tells a pretty decent story. And it's got Sean Connery with peacock feathers. <laughs> I was going to say, when you when you said that, it, it's still pretty cheesy. I mean, it's good, but it's cheesy. <laughs> it is. Well, I was going to say, you also have Mr. Krabs in it, but that's a whole other issue. <laughs> you know, one of these days, I'm going to make a Highlander SpongeBob mashup. We're going to have, like, everything from Kurgan said by... <laughs> <laughs> said by Mr. Krabs. It's a great movie. I think that everybody, if you haven't seen the movie before, go, go rent it. I think, you know, I think it's on, yeah, it's on um, Netflix streaming. I think the coolest thing about the movie is that, like uh, Flash Gordon uh, in the years before it, it has an awesome Queen soundtrack. Yes. And it's um, it really is quite good in the similar way that Flash Gordon is kind of cool. So yeah. there you go. There is no actual soundtrack to Highlander from Queen. It's on uh, all those songs are from their album called The Kind of Magic. Oh, okay. Didn't know yeah. that. All I know is there's a lot of Queen music in it, and it always struck me as being their score. So, Yep. And why don't you talk about our next little Geekiversary here? Little. Oh, see, I wouldn't say it's little, and I know you have a, a complete <laughs> other show devoted to this. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll send it over to This Week in Trek for the in-depth roundup. On 9-8 of this year, September 8th, it was 45 years for Star Trek as a franchise. Mm-hmm. Star Trek, the original series, so 45 years old on the 8th, September 8th. There are approximately 100 of us engaged in this search against one creature. The odds against you and I both being killed are 2,286.7. 2,000? To, 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 to one. To one. To one. To one. To one. Huge. People didn't know that it was going to be huge at the time. And the man trap is, is by far one of like the worst episodes ever. Here's this little science fiction TV show. And, and as I've written before at the time, nobody took science fiction TV seriously. And here's a science fiction show that winds up living on for 45 years. Now, how many other science fiction shows can you name that have lived on with this sort of cultural impact? I think Doctor Who is the only one that springs yep. to mind. Doctor Who. Doctor Who is, would be longer lived than Star Trek. Yeah. And is Doctor that correct, Who, though? Uh, Actually, Who's that's not, not right, is it? What do you mean? Doctor well, Doc- Who, when Doctor, Who's, Doctor Who didn't start before Star Trek, did it? Yeah, it, it did, 1962 did or 63. Oh, all right then. I stand yeah. correct. I knew, it, I knew it was running for a long time. So there you go. Doctor, I think Doctor Who has got to be the longest running uh, science fiction fantasy franchise, though, right? Yes, and and it's amazing. And and not only that, but it goes to show how you can reboot a series properly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm, we shouldn't get into Doctor Who no. right now anyways. Because <laughs> that's, not, be that's, that's a whole other show. Right? But, 
Yeah, Star Star Trek was huge. Obviously, it shaped both of our lives in in numerous different ways, and and we both love it. And uh, we haven't spent nearly as much time as we should throwing it under the bus like we have Star Wars. But never fear, <laughs> we will someday soon. Is the move is the new movie Star Trek Two comes closer? I'm sure we'll find things to complain about. So what's your what's your favorite? Uh, give me your like your top two favorite Star Trek or most memorable Star Trek memories. Uh, Throughout your lifetime of watching the franchise, oh my god! Real I mean, quick, if you want to talk about head. memories, God, I mean, going to see Star Trek Two was probably one of the most memorable things ever, and watching the premiere of Star Trek: Next Generation with my friends from college. See, and I would say um, the cliffhanger to Best of Both Worlds, Best of Both Worlds Part oh, One, oh yeah, oh sure, and the very long wait over that summer trying to figure out what was going to happen was mm-hmm. incredibly memorable. And believe it or not, the release of Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, <laughs> because... Before you knew my, what it was going to yeah, be. My friend and I just you know, waited uh, so long for that movie to come out. We were so excited and thought it was going to be the greatest thing ever. And then look what happened. Wow. I remember seeing that. I just walked out of there going, what the hell did I just see? <laughs> T-minus 60 seconds and counting. All systems are go. We are transferring to orbiter internal power at this time. Coming up on a go for auto sequence start. And we have a go for auto sequence start. T-minus Firing chain is armed. Go for main engine start. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. Starting 2, 1, 0. And lift Coming from Star Trek into more realistic talk about space, a segment that uh, we've I think we've skipped twice now on yes. the show, trying to get to because it's it's a little bit it's a little bit meaty and thought provoking, and it's the future of space and space travel. I, I shed a single tear of sadness when I saw that they rolled the space shuttle Atlantis back to Cape Canaveral while playing the theme to Star Trek Voyager. And mm-hmm. to be honest, I sat there watching that clip and it was like end of an era and all i could think of was playing that song i think i think a lot of people were like well that's you know that's fitting and that's really cool and blah 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 i thought it was heart-wrenchingly darkly ironic Mm -hmm. that 
here we are playing this song about space exploration, basically. And for, forget what the show was about. It's not important. It was Star Trek. The whole basis of Star Trek is, you know, leaving Earth and exploring the great beyond and bettering ourselves as humanity, right? And here they are playing one of the themes from the Star Trek series as they're rolling this beat-up old shuttle back to put it on mothballs and never launch it again. Mm -hmm. As of now, there's no way that the U.S. has to get into space reliably. In fact, we're using the Russians to, you know, f shuttle people back and forth to the International Space Station. As, the, as of the last article I saw, the Russians were having problems doing that. Yeah. So what is the future of space travel? Um, what is it for the United States? What is it for the world? What do you think? Well, first off, how are we going to get up to the International Space Station? Well, the Russians are going to use their Soyuz <clears throat> rockets and, or capsules and rockets to get up there and shuttle people on and off. So we would have to thumb a ride off of them? You got it. We're paying the Russian government <laughs> to do this. Something it, not right about that. I mean, I mean Kennedy Kennedy is spinning, spinning in his yeah. grave right now. We won the space race for this? Uh, yeah, no, to no, mothball no, you know, it? No offense to the Russians, okay? No, no, I'm no. Not, no, I'm, no. Not, I'm not really against the Russians. I wish the Russians all the luck in the world, and I'm glad they still are serious about their space program to some extent. I mean, good for the Russians. I'm glad mm -hmm. somebody in, in humanity is. Of all the things that we're spending money on, and I know we, we've been through this on the show before, so there's no re real reason to go into it deeply, but of all the things we could be spending money on right now, you know, we've got to be fighting all these wars when we could be doing this, and instead yeah. we're mothballing you know, our human endeavor outside. What's going to happen to the U.S. drive for a space program? I mean, what comes after the shuttle? I think, well, I've said this before, is that I feel that psychologically this is a blow to the country because now we're not going to care anymore. There are people out there that say, well, you know what the politicians think or, or somebody, the government thinks that it's not worth it, so it must not be worth it. And you know as well as I do that people are just fickle. You know, they'll just go wherever the wind blows. It's just going to take the right person to to bring it up again. Um, or there, the right there was, event. yeah, but but there was talk of of trying to get somebody to Mars, wasn't there? Well, you know, they, there's been ongoing talk about Mars for well almost as long as I can remember, and and some serious science has been done to you know find out how people could live up there and in in enclosed spaces and isolated places and things like that. So mm -hmm. there's been work done, but. You know, I don't know. It's it's interesting. And I think that's the thing. I don't know. And that's what I'm trying to find out. So I'm mm -hmm. I'm asking the question open to the people listening to the show. Does anyone know what the future is? Has anyone actually come out and said? I can't find any mention of anything anywhere. What I can find talk of and what I've heard um the NASA administrator say in numerous speeches what you know about around the time they brought Atlantis back in. Mm -hmm. Is that the, you know the space program of of the United States now was going to be turned over to corporate interests and they were going to drive things forward, right? Which I don't know how I feel about. I feel torn on it, honestly. As much as I like Virgin Virgin Galactic, and if people don't know what that is, Virgin Galactic is they're actually building a spaceport. I mean, figure that right in our lifetime. They're actually building a spaceport. A space they're going to launch <laughs> spaceships up into the you know into orbit and bring them back. I mean that that's kind of cool. So 
and that, I think it's neat. They're going to do this. They're going to charge people, you know, $500,000 or whatever it is to, like, go up for 20 minutes, float free in space, and come back down. So right now it's for kind of the elites only. But, you know, if they do this enough, just like any other corporate endeavor, the price will come down. Mm-hmm. And eventually in our lifetime, should we live long enough, you know, maybe maybe we'll actually even be able to go up there. So that's kind of cool. But they're not cool. doing research. Number one, no, and they don't that's... have ambitions to spread outside of this planet anymore. This is just solely for tourism. So you know, it's kind of ironic, isn't it, that the whole premise of Star Trek: First Contact, Zephram Cochran said that all he sees, the only reason why he started this in the first place was for dollar signs. Yeah, yeah, but you know, yeah. isn't and look that, what that is that is kind of where it's going? It, it does look like where it's going. My my point being is that um, yeah, it's it's going corporate. I always wondered when I was a kid, it's like, well, why can't a company put people out into space? And I always thought that the reason why is because the government basically wouldn't allow anybody to, f- like, fly. Like like there's I, some restriction? Yeah, like there's some government restriction. I mean, I'm not talking about, like, tinfoil hat kind of conspiracy theories or anything. I'm just saying that the government said, look, if you want to go – like, I'm I'm thinking along the lines of if something falls, you're going to endanger a bunch of people. Well, I'm sure, I am sure there's got to be something like that. I'm not aware of what it would be, but there has to be. Well, it, it's probably- not like explorers. Like, if you and I built a spaceship out of trash cans and, you know, bike gears <laughs> and stuff in our, back, our backyard – and launched it up there, somebody in the government would be pissed. Oh, worst ending of a movie ever. Anyway, <laughs> I think what's going to happen is that it's going to take the commercial ventures to get out into space, and then eventually the government is going to say, oh, well, look what they did, and then they're going to copy them and then start going back into space for research. I don't know. I, I mean, look, the reason we went up there in the first place, let's be really honest, it wasn't some altruistic no. science you know, needs thing that everyone was like, we should do this. It started out sort of like that as far as the interest in putting satellites and things up. Mm-hmm. But the interest is where it would have died had it not become a space race against mm-hmm. the Soviets. Right. And that's what happened. So we used it as a, you know, we were worried that the Russians were going to put up satellites and missile launchers and stuff up there. <laughs> and and they were going to like us. rain down to hellfire and damnation on the United States. So we had to beat them. Um, so that, that's pretty much what happened. And it turned into more altruistic things as it went on. But the the thing is though, is I think, I think there are really necessary reasons that we should be out there. And, and one of, one of the biggest reasons I think we should be out there and you can call me some crazy apocalyptic thinker for this, but I think it's important to have humanity, not all in one breadbasket. And I think we're getting to the point as a society that we need to take seriously the very serious possibility, or actually it's probability, that at some point in the future, whether near term or long term, we're going to get hit by something. And we need to really be thinking about two things as far as I'm concerned. One, how do we stop something that might hit us from hitting us? Oh, but we already it, have that answer, Bruce Willis. <laughs> okay, okay. So we need to realistically think about how we would stop a, a near-Earth object from colliding with us. Mm-hmm. That's number one. And number two, if we can't stop it, we need to have humans elsewhere, out there in our solar system or beyond it. Or beyond. Yeah, so that if we if if Earth is lost or struck by something or destroyed, however that happens, it's not the end of humanity. And we're getting to the point 
before we were getting to the point that if we focused on it, we'd actually be able to get that done. We could have people on Mars within 20 years if they wanted to do it. The technology Ten years. Exists. Ten years, I would bet. Maybe if, it, they, if they really pushed. Yep. If they really pushed. If, if there was an incentive to do it. My theory on this whole thing, which doesn't seem so out of place, Carl Sagan said that somebody has to be first. Somebody has to be the first civilization in the universe. It could be us. There could not be any other civilizations out there, although the way the universe is built, I would say that we are far from the first. However, it's entirely possible that somebody else was the first, and we are that civilization sending out microbes or whatever into space to perpetuate whatever they had. Yeah, that's the old... um... Chariots of the Gods. Chariots of the Gods, yes. That Von Donneken, Eric Von Donneken. Uh, that's his <laughs> theory, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways. That's good fiction, you know, but, I mean, is it impossible? No. Is it improbable? Mm, yeah, maybe. But it's a good theory because we could do the same thing. We could say, oh, look, there's a giant asteroid that's going to hit us in 100 years. That's a very, like, large probability of hitting us in 100 years. So what do you do? I mean, the the... The easiest thing to do is to just send out a whole bunch of probes or something out into space and just seed other planets blind. Well, I mean, yeah, that's a possibility. I mean, we're definitely tracking what they say are Earth-like planets. Yes, now I was, that was going to be my next point. There are two of them we found, right? Well, that's that's what they say. I, you know, it, look, I, I'm not doubting. I'm not doubting that they know what they're doing. I'm just. <laughs> I, I, I have a lot of questions, and this is this is probably going to rattle people who are hard scientists in the audience, but I have just some common sense. I'm a common sense kind of guy, and common sense tells me I think there's a big difference between what we see through telescopes and other means and what's actually potentially out there. And it has always mm. bothered me a little bit when people say, uh, you know, you hear these scientists say, oh, that star is X number of billions of light years away from here, mm. 2.56782 billion light years from here. And you know that because of some math equations and looking through the telescope to judge by the quality and color of the light. And I understand it. I understand how they're getting that. But I still don't believe they actually know it without going there to see it. Yeah. And I don't think they really know exactly how far things are. It's one thing to judge the distance of the moon. And they were even off a little bit by that. And it's another thing to do a more distant object. So when they're telling me things like, yeah, this is an Earth-like planet with oxygen. It looks like it has water. It looks like it has a full atmosphere. It probably has, you know, oxygen-nitrogen mix. It's likely to have some sort of, you know, life on it. I think that's a leap when all you can really see when they bring up the picture of this thing is a little white dot. <laughs> I, I mean, I get what they're doing, right? I'm not stupid, but common sense tells me, well, don't you kind of need to go there. So send yeah. a probe out there or something. But the problem is the probes are stupid. Well, you got to send people there. And the only way you're going to get people there is to to take some of these theories by scientists who have been working on this for years. Do you do you know that there is a group of I don't know if it's a working group or just a small group of individuals at JPL who have been working on warp drive. Get out. Nope, they've been doing it for years and they say that while not possible today because of our our level of science it is possible, probable, that we could develop a form of faster-than-light travel. 
that uses no, okay. that uses the concept of of um, uh, artificially created wormholes slash folding space that it's possible to do. The the reason they can't really even test such a device is they don't have the power enough to generate what they need to be able to test this. One point twenty one gigawatts, something like that. And and uh-huh. it's a you know it's a it's a power issue. We're not the we're not we're like a type one civilization or are we type zero. I guess we're type zero. And we would need to be like a type one or a type two to be able to try these experiments. But it's intriguing that the, the theoretical scientists and physicists and things like that actually think that this kind of thing might actually be possible. And, you know, to just throw it out and be like, eh, whatever, is, I don't know, I think kind of dumb. I mean, here we are. We, we could be so much more. And I guess I just go back to the same thing. What are we doing as a human race? I mean, if the human race was a person and I could mm-hmm. sit down with that person and and you know have a nice little conversation and you know buy him a beer and i'd be like you know well that you know and here's earth right this is earth dude fighting again down in libya sucks <laughs> fighting it you do the freaking mid-east again it's all on fire there's gonna be another war there i know it i know it is i can feel it it's like itching it's burning it's coming on you know every every couple of years it comes up like this the inflammation is coming back you know what i'm saying <laughs> and then i got you know Lady Gaga infestation up here and uh, Dancing with the Stars is back over here in my left ear. It's just messed up. It's all effed up, man. It's just all effed up. I'm feeling sick. You know, I'm sick. I'm on the McDonald's. I'm on it again. I try to get away from it, but I'm back on it. Now, McDonald's is down in China. It's down in Africa. We got McDonald infestation down in Zimbabwe. It's messed up. I'm like, Earth, hey, Earth, you know what, man? I feel feel for you, brother. I really do. But listen, um, you really think you're making the most out of your life, Earth? You really think you really think you're you know? I mean, don't you think? Don't you think there should be more? Join Starfleet. <laughs> I dare you to do better. I dare you. I dare you to do better. And that that is that is exactly what I feel about humanity in general. It's like, you, really? Do we have to go through this again? You remember the 21st century came and everyone was like in the year 2000. Y2K notwithstanding, there were all these people like. 21st century is going to be great. You know, the 20th century was the bloodiest in all of history. And yeah. we're, we're not going to go back to that. And, you know, the communism has fallen. Soviet empire is gone. And it's just peace is breaking out everywhere. And we're going to, like, do these great things. It was like Obama hoping change on crack, on steroids, without Obama. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we get to we get to the 21st century and it looks like it's going to be business as usual times three. Yeah. We're just going to be bloodier and worse and do nothing, and everything is just going to collapse. And it's like, you know what? This this is stupid. This sucks. I want to go to Mars. I want to go to space. I want to create something. I want to go to the deepest parts of the ocean and figure out what's down there. Yeah, into you know? the abyss. I want to, like, you know, make – do something so that the deserts in Africa bloom, you know? I want to put up space mirrors or something so that it bounces light back down onto these, like, cold areas of the Earth and warm them up. I don't know. I want to do something fantastic. <laughs> something cool. Yeah, why do you we got to be stuck awesome. here fighting stupid wars amongst each other? <laughs> well, I don't care what color you are or what country you're from or what b- religion you believe in. Let's fight about that in space. At least it'll be cooler. <laughs> You bring right? your X-Wings, and I'll bring the TIE Fighters, and we'll see what happens. Now, why don't we raise up a, a bunch of money to make, like, a space armada and then fight up there? 
that, that's a lot cooler than doing it down here. We've, we've done that. It's, we're bored with that, right? <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> and, it, you know, while we're fighting in space, we can be, you know, branching out. And with the corporations up in space, the way they're going up there, we'll have like Wayland Utani, right? And so they'll be, be going up there, you know, sending probes everywhere and doing nefarious business deals and bringing back crazy alien life forms that, you know, slaughter whole ships full of people. But that's okay. Yeah, that's that's okay, okay because we're in space. Space, space. Got to go to space. You are personifying Earth as like. The teenage kid that just got out of high school that's saying, you know what, Dad? I don't have to work. Yeah, kind of. And your dad, right? You're playing the dad, and you're saying, son, get your ass to Mars. Get your ass to Mars. <laughs> you know, and I, I guess, I guess, and who am I, right? Who am I to talk? I'm, I'm a human being like anybody else. I mean, I'm no better than anybody else. I'm certainly not smart enough to figure out how to put people up in space. There are people smarter than me. Good people mm -hmm. out there that can figure this stuff out. And all I'm saying is, I got your back, buddy. Let's do it. Yeah, I, I just get frustrated with uh, with humanity in general, and I see the things. And this, this topic of space always leads me to this because I think they go hand in hand. It's like, uh, you know, you watch all these sci-fi movies or Star Trek shows or whatever where it's like, you know, humanity is like a baby and they're afraid to leave the crib. Mm -hmm. You know, or they shouldn't leave the crib. You hear that a lot of times, too, Yeah, where it's like you don't know what's out there and yeah. you shouldn't leave. I think that was a Star Trek thing, too. Uh, I, I think that was what the Vulcans like felt about us in the that's Enterprise. An Enterprise. Yes, yeah. that's what it was. You're absolutely right. It was an Enterprise where they're like, you know, you're not leaving. Yeah. And but, we're saying and we said, well, who are you to tell us what to do? Yeah. But see, I think that's in, in some cases that's uh, that's true. That there's some truth to that in the sense that we are children, you know, trying to go about figuring this stuff out. But at the same time, I think what gives us a leg up is that we are brash and adventurous and feel like, well, why can't we go out there and try this? Yeah. But I think we've lost some of that, and I don't know where it's gone. It's weird. So bringing the space shuttle back and just ending the program and having no replacement. And, and I mean, just just look at what has replaced it. The only American thing we got going on right now, other than our you know ability to launch satellites, which is great and all, but we're using old rockets in a lot of cases, or mm -hmm. old nuclear missiles that we're, we're putting the things on, you know, old uh, old launch systems for the warheads. Um, the only other thing that's up there are these super secret military shuttles they have flying around. The X thirty three, I think it is. So I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's it's actually pretty cool. Look it up. Um, the okay. Air Force is flying it up there. It goes up for a long time. It's robotic. It uh, It's autonomous. It just goes up in circles and does whatever it does. Probably, well, I don't know what it does. Anti-satellite? <laughs> spying? I have no idea what it does up there. But the bottom line is, is that it's pretty cool, but it's it's military. So where is the human factor again on this? Where is anybody saying, let's go to the moon? We should go to the moon. And we will go to the moon. We'll go to the moon again. I really hope so. I think that we should we should definitely build something up there. For one thing, we can monitor Earth from space, which is, you know, live people can monitor Earth from from space, uh, which is something that nobody's been able to do before. And not have to depend on satellites. Another thing which I think is great is that we can we can build telescopes on like the far side, the dark side of the moon. Great. And we don't have to worry about the atmosphere. Yeah, that's a great like idea. Clogging up the uh clogging up the lenses. 
Well, and I mean, we, that's that's another reason why uh, the moon could be used as, um, you know, like a, a, a much clearer forward operating base to scan for meteors and things like that, as well sure. as everything else that we want to look at out in the distance. Mm-hmm. And those are important things. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've listened to so many of these um, these symposiums by some of these scientists that are, are for these kinds of things. And I listen to these guys and, you know. I'm like, you know, you guys really are making some great points here. And it's common sense again. It's common sense. We're going to get hit by something again. Why should we just sit back and allow it to happen when we're on the verge technologically of being able to do something potentially to stop it? Mm -hmm. Why don't we try? And I think it's because it's short-term thinking. You know, people are, are more concerned with... You know, this idea of, well, it's more important to fight this war. It's more important to get this person elected. It's more important, let's just get to the next football season, and we'll, we'll get it <laughs> next next year after this football season's over. But you know what? One of these days we're not going to have next year, and all this waiting around is going to knock us back three, four, five hundred years. Yeah. And it's going to take that long for us to have learned that lesson in a very hard and painful way. It may not wipe us out. Uh, but it'll set us back. Like, why don't we do what we have to do? I'll tell you exactly why. Politics and money. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. really it's it's not just about football or Survivor or whatever it is. It's politics and money. That's all it comes down to. I, I think when Kennedy first did the space program, it was a matter of trying to contain the Russians, mm-hmm. and he could sell that to the American people, and he did. Yeah, and politics. You know. Yeah, politics got us into space. Well, and it was kind of the politics of fear, to some extent too. Mm-hmm. We were when Sputnik went up, your average citizen didn't understand it, and so what is this crazy beeping thing? All they knew is that it was a Russian thing that was flying over the country. Yep, doing God knows what. In reality, it wasn't really doing anything. But the point is, is that to your average citizen, it spelled doom. It was they mm-hmm. were going to fly over and drop the atomic bomb. As illogical as that seems, that's what people thought. And so, you know, yeah, we got to beat the Russians. Yeah, we got to be first. Yeah, we have to outdo them in every possible way. And so to some extent, you you almost wish that there was some sort of enemy or something we could, you know, use as a catalyst to go do this again. Because in lieu of that, you know, how are you going to convince people that are, especially right now, in the United States with the economy the way it is, how are you mm-hmm. going to convince people you that can't. the best use for our resources right now is to, say, build a moon base? <laughs> Even it's, I would go, I don't know if this is the right time, guys. You know, but then again, when is the right time? Well, you know what? You know why I think now would be the right time? I'll give you a damn good reason why. Jobs. Yeah, that's interesting. And you know what else it would do? It, it would it would instill a sense of optimism and potential national selflessness into mm-hmm. it. That you would be doing something greater than yourself, mm-hmm. or that you would and, be trying at something bigger than <clears throat> than you, which mm-hmm. we haven't had in the United States in quite a long time. A very long time. Um, not since the '60s. Because you think about the seventies were all about like it was very hot and no gas. That's every time somebody asks me, "What do you remember about the seventies?" It was very hot and no gas. The eighties were far from from selflessness. Eighties yeah, um, were very much greed. Yeah, eighties were at very least much that's greed. The generality. Nineties was like I just the nineties to me were just like this big fuzzy memory. I remember a decade by the music. I know it's an odd way to to remember things. But I just remember the 90s being just there 
Nobody really accomplished anything. There was there, it's almost like the '90s were like the big heavy, like breathe in before Y2K happened, and then oh, nothing. Happened. Yeah, and then it was all downhill. And then it was all downhill after 2000. It all went to hell. <laughs> <laughs> but before then, it wasn't sunshine and roses. But at least it wasn't you know falling off a cliff. Yeah, <laughs> you were clinging by your nails before then, and then now you're just like in free fall, screaming for your life. <laughs> Please give us a space program or anything, <laughs> anything at all to believe in. Please. <laughs> I just, I just totally believe that we have to get. In, we have to feel that we are more than ourselves individually. In order for that to happen, as you said, is it, there has to, there has to be something that says, you know what kid on the couch there's a reason why you have to get off that couch we just don't care you know think about it though a lot of the reason why i think people don't care though is because they're not given anything to care about you know look if you if you just take it by what people see in the news every night if you turn on the news every night and all you see is war and terrorism and economic downturn and people's pensions drying up and being taken away it it's after a while of watching that it just becomes hopeless Mm-hmm. So you go, you watch Jersey Shore because at least it's dumb entertainment that takes you away from that. But when yeah. you're, I can imagine that, especially if it bothers me at, at almost 40 years old, it's got to bother somebody at 20 mm-hmm. even more. Because I can imagine they would look at the world and say, you know, I'm not, even if I get a good job, there's no guarantee I'm going to keep it. Yeah. No guarantee we're not going to end up get all nuked someday. It's kind of hopeless, and 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 do this is why the space thing always ties back into this kind of subject, is because I think it almost we have to talk about this sort of sense of nationalistic pride or something to believe in that's bigger than ourselves, because you need that in order to get the space program. You need mm-hmm. that in order to pick people up to believe in something again, and that that's kind of a problem right now. And I think that's why these things actually go hand in hand, don't you? Yeah, yeah I totally agree with you, and. And you know, as you're as you're saying things like this, I'm thinking, well, what do we believe in right now? And the only thing that we believe in, I, be- I think, right now is just like you know, Snooky. I don't know. I think I think speaking for Americans only, because I'm an American and I don't really know what other countries are actually feeling right now. But as an American, I feel like what we what we believe in is, I think we're just afraid. I think mm-hmm. we're afraid and we're beaten down and we're inundated by. Basically, calamity after depressing catastrophe after collapse. It's just one thing after the other since nine eleven, basically. Yeah. And I think we're, I think we're afraid and we're beaten down. And I think, you know, there's maybe a time for that, but God, move on. It's time to pick back up. Yeah. There's, you know, this is, and you know, I, I really, I, I'm really not trying to mix in political stuff with this, but it would be really nice if in the next election cycle. There would be some great leader that would stand up and take us there, who would say the right things and get people to believe again. Because if we could believe again, we might actually say, you know what, we should end one of these wars and take the money and put it into building a new form of space vehicle. And that space vehicle should repair the Hubble and then, you know, say go to the moon and see what's actually there. Take some mining stuff. See if there really is water. Up there, frozen water we can use. Maybe there's there's got to be crazy minerals and and you know like uh, precious stuff. Maybe even on the moon that we could get. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's maybe there's financial 
benefits to oh, there's there. Always, there has to be financial benefits on the moon. There's always somebody who's going to find some way to make money off of moon rocks. And maybe the answer is corporations. It's just that the corporations are always, to me, they're going to have their own agenda, and it's always going to be financial. And they're not out for doing this for any altruistic, humanistic reason. I, as much, I, I believe that the Virgin guy, he wants to make money, but I think he really loves the idea of going into space. I think he's mm-hmm. doing a good thing here. But it's again, it's not a thing that is going to advance us exponentially, you know. And that's, I think, the problem with corporations is they're going to go the way, the safe way, in order to, you know, whatever they're going to do, it's going to be to make money. And I have a feeling that a lot of the corporations right now are building up these these um, little mini space programs so that they can do things like, you know, get paid to put satellites in orbit and stuff like that. And that's not going to move us forward in a big way because they don't have any financial reason, like you said before, to move them forward. They don't have any reason to want to go to the moon. We got to find a reason. I think we need somebody to explore. I remember the old, the old days when exploration was a good thing. When they sent, mm-hmm. um, you know, Lewis and Clark to the frontier, mm-hmm. into the old west. I mean, sure. you know, there it was there to be explored. So we went. But Ballard nothing... took the submarines down to the Titanic and down to the Mariana Trench. You know, it's it's there. And as humans, as men, they were like, we don't know what this is, and we're going to go find it and conquer it and take it. And that's what we do, you know. And what happened to that? I, You know, um, as you were talking, I think I found the answer to that, is that I think we, we discovered everything that we possibly could as far as physically going places. We've been to the moon. We've been to the Titanic. <clears throat> we've been to all those places. I mean, what else is there to explore? We haven't really been to the moon. I mean, we've been to a few sites on the moon, and you know, we've walked around and taken a few samples and come back. Mm-hmm. We haven't actually, we haven't, you know, we haven't cataloged it in depth. We haven't sent people all over it. We don't have a permanent presence up there in which we could explore it. We don't know what could be up there. I don't. There's probably not much, but the point is, there's probably precious ores and minerals and things we could get. There's probably money up mm. there for one and we certainly haven't done things like go to mars yeah. and we would need a presence on the moon probably to go to mars we would need to build whatever ship was going to take people to mars in orbit and we'd probably want to build it up by the moon or something because it would have to be pretty big and it would probably have to be something like um you know like that ship in avatar in the beginning of avatar, avatar yeah, that's yeah. like the interstellar craft or whatever that thing's not going to land anywhere they built that somewhere in orbit to transit between locations Mm-hmm. You know, big solar panels and stuff like that. That's, you know, so, you know, you need you need to take these steps to get somewhere. But can you imagine what's on Mars and what they can do with it? I mean, I've read the papers where, again, it's people at NASA who've come up with this, but they think they could actually terraform Mars. They think it's possible. It may take them, <laughs> I think they said, two, 250 to 300 years, but they might be able to do it. And if they might actually be able to do that, you have another planet you could live on. Yeah. It would be colder. It would be less gravity, yeah, but, you could but it, it would work. And, and it would be amazing. That's an interesting thought. I, I didn't look into the whole terraforming aspect of it. No, these are, I mean, they're, they're serious ideas. It's just that they, they're conceptual. They're too, we're too young as a scientific species to be able to tackle this stuff. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't have enough knowledge. We haven't, but if we went there and started working on it, I think that this, it might actually turn around and it might come. You know, but you, know, you, you got to be willing to approach it. Think of what we were doing a couple hundred years ago. We were discovering you know, like Western America. 
we're discovering so much and look how far we've gotten in the last 50 years with science. Something is going to kick us in the ass as far as the exploration side of things go. Well, and you know, you are right in the sense that um, I had a great grandmother who died about five or six years ago and she was 90 something years old. Mm-hmm. And she, as a young girl, remembered the time when there was no cars, no airplanes, very few paved roads, no freeways, no computers. She didn't have a refrigerator. She didn't have a, ba- a uh, bathroom or in plumbing in her home. Mm-hmm. They had a wagon with a horse. I mean, it's amazing. And in her lifetime, she saw all those things come to fruition. Yep. Plane travel. Simple planes to jumbo jets in her lifetime. Wagons to cars. Cars that could go 80 miles an hour down a freeway mm-hmm. and be relatively quiet inside. iPhones, Amazing iPads, things. computers, Computers, a huge revolution. Yep. Amazing. And so you're right about that. And there's a lot, I think, that it's amazing what has been accomplished in, in about the past 100 years. But I, I guess I just I don't want to see a stop. And, and uh, sometimes I think it feels like, um, you know, we've slowed on – on some of this development, although, oh, you yeah. know, maybe we haven't because, you know, there is the Internet, right? And the Internet is uh, is no small thing. Just because we're living it doesn't mean it's not historic. It is historic. The computer movement and the Internet is huge, mm-hmm. huge as a development, as big as the airplane or yep. the car, uh, you know, it's that the first time that, engine. yeah, it's the first time that people were able to communicate instantly. Yep. You can have a window to another country instantly, you know, and damn it. This is why, at the end of the day, space program or no, we should have one time zone. One time zone. It's a small world. We have the internet. One time zone. The way that I see it is that I have a feeling that I can't predict what it's going to be. Maybe some people can. But I think that something is going to say to everybody, is going to speak to everybody and say, let's get off our ass for some reason. It may be... A natural disaster, like maybe a comet really will come and hit us in 200 years or 500 years or something. Something may force us up there, or maybe something may inspire us to go up there. But you see, we as a as a race, I don't think we're inspired much anymore. Well, and you know, and even we always talk about Star Trek, but even in Star Trek's history, what inspired humanity to go to the stars ultimately was our near uh, destruction of each other. Mm-hmm. That's what inspired it. Yeah, and we, I, I would hate that to be the reason. But it always struck me as being realistic. You can mm-hmm. imagine, you know, if if something like that happened, some limited nuclear exchange or something, people might finally wake up and say, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't want to do this. You need more woes. Whoa, whoa, man, whoa. 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 But, yeah, I mean, a person could inspire us too. And that's why I say literally uh, a, a very good leader who said the right things and got the approval could could do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just by saying the right things could inspire us. Yep. You know. You so. know. I, and I gotta say, as politically driven as it was, Kennedy was a great speaker. Yeah, he was inspiring as an individual. He, he brought was. people together. I he agree was. With you. And and again, it was because we we're trying to beat the Russians into space. You know, that's why I say it was politically driven. But he did inspire an entire generation. Well, and you know, I heard I heard a um, a politician actually the other day use this terminology, and it struck me as being full of hubris and and ultra prideful. But the more I th- I thought about it, the more I was like, you know what though, 
I think he didn't mean it this way when he said it. He actually, I think, meant it in a sort of derogatory, hubris-filled way. But I think that after he said it, and I thought about it, this is actually what we need. And it was the term American exceptionalism. And when yeah. it was first said, I'm like, you know, that's bad. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, no, that was that was a lot like what Kennedy was about. That was Ronald Reagan when he first was elected. Remember, it's morning again in America. Mm-hmm. Remember that? That sure was um, FDR in a lot of ways and some of the things that he said during the Great Depression and in the beginning of World War II. American exceptionalism. It's okay for us to believe that we're better, that we should be out there doing – we should be the best. We should win. It's like a good football team. You don't want to <laughs> be on the football team that you know is like, it's all right if we're number 12. It's okay. Yeah. No, it's not. It, Vince Lombardi. You know, is famous for having that speech where it says, you know, there's winners and there's losers, and the only thing that matters are those who win. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think we need somebody to step up and say, America needs to do greater things. Maybe that could be us. That's right. So for our potential, I might even be overdoing it, 82 Geekistry listeners. <laughs> more than that, silly. Yeah. Let's form our the Geekistry space program. It's 83. The Geekistry Space... No, we need a Geekistry Space Program pledge. It's called GASA. Geekistry <laughs> Aeronautical and Space... <laughs> GASA. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dot com. <laughs> That's the corporate part of it. We will make money. Oh, yeah, there'll be a dot .org. Yeah, don't you doubt it, Geekistry listeners. Money will be made off of GASA. Oh, God. GASA. You know how bad that sounds? There will be GASA sounds? action figures. Yeah, fueled by beans. <laughs> All of our spacecraft fueled by refried beans. <laughs> Sponsored by Goyo. <laughs> so we want to hear what you think. Let us know in the forums at geekistry.com slash forums. Uh, let us know what you guys and girls think about whether or not we should even go into space and what do you think could spark it. Or just give us a call, 734-418-7077. We'd love to put your thoughts on the show. William Bradford, speaking in 1630 of the founding of the Plymouth Bay Colony, said that all great and honorable actions are accompanied with great difficulty, and both must be enterprised and overcome with answerable courage. If this capsule history of our progress teaches us anything, it is that man in his quest for knowledge and progress is determined and cannot be deterred. The exploration of space will go ahead. Whether we join in it or not, we mean to be a part of it. We mean to lead it. For the eyes of the world now look into space, to the moon and to the planets beyond. Our leadership in science and industry, our hopes for peace and security, our obligations to ourselves as well as others, all require us to make this effort to solve these mysteries, to solve them for the good of all men. There is no strife, no prejudice, no national conflict in outer space as yet. Its hazards are hostile to us all. Its conquest deserves the best of all mankind. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. 
We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win. All right, so that, we- that's it. And actually, that, that's a lot for this show, for G61. Join the Geek Street community. Talk to us about the stuff we talk about on our site. Forums, as I said, at geekstreet.com slash forums. Or give us a call. If you guys like what we're doing here, please head up to iTunes and give us a review. Your reviews, as always, help move the show up in the ratings. They attract new listeners. and keeps the gremlins from getting into the refrigerator after midnight and you know that is bad (laughs) that's been your bi-weekly geek out thanks for listening and see you next time see you find us on the web at geekistry.com email us at feedback at geekistry.com and follow the show on facebook twitter or google plus as geekistry I'm Michael Egon Gaines. And I'm Bryce Venkman Irwin. Am I Venkman? I don't know. Are you, are you, you want to be Spangler? No, you want to be closest to? Well, yeah. Oh. Who do you want to be? You want to no, be Spangler? I'm fine. I'm fine. Go. You're doing good. Do, st- do you want to be Spangler? <laughs> or do you, you know? No, do it again. God's sakes, do you want to be Spangler? Because you know, like, no. I'll, no. I'll demote your ass to Rick Moranis. I'm Vince Glortho, Key Master of Gozer. I'm certainly not the gatekeeper. Here, read it again. <laughs> and that's based around the fact that it, it all kind of started where I shed a single tear when they rolled. Um, what, what did they just bring back, Mike? Atlantis? Um, Atlantis, yeah. Okay. I, uh, when they rolled Atlantis back uh, into. Um... Fuck me, man. Where did they just roll it back to? <laughs> Yeah. Fuck, let me just start over. <laughs> I said. <laughs> wah, wah, I guess wah, 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 wah. I guess I'm getting late. <laughs>